one of the all-time favorite shows. Welcome to episode 97 of Because You're Home. In this episode, we are looking at New Year's horror. So we've got kind of obviously, you've New Year's, it's a party for some, it's a meh day for others. It's kind of 50-50 with people. I, for one, don't really care for New Year's. I'm more of a Christmassy person. New Year's is but there before you know, you barely even know what day it is between Christmas and New Year's. Next thing you know, you're back to work. So, you know, horror story in and of itself. But... There actually aren't that many horror films based around New Year's. It's kind of, there's a few more modern ones that come up, but there's, you know, the only thing you can think of would be maybe like a killer at a New Year's party. Like you don't have folklore around New Year's like you would say around Christmas um, or other holidays throughout the year. Um, so you've kind of got like everyone's got the New Year's resolution. But what people don't seem to think of, how hard it is to, for some people, survive the night just to even see the new year. Um, so they're kind of like two films I've decided to look into for around New Year. Well, they're they're set on New Year's night uh, or New Year's Eve night, but um, they're not based around New Year's. Again, this was a bit of a, a hard subject to find, but I thought it still deserved uh, a look into to see what we could get. So the first film I looked into was 2017's Midnighters, which actually won a lot of awards when it was out on the horror festivals. Um, and I have to say, it's not too bad at all. It's it's almost like it, of course, when it's anyway decent, they call it a thriller. But I thought, no, <laughs> I will say, I, I'll talk into this as I go into it. The acting, they're either underacting or they are severely overacting. And if you were to watch this film, you'd know two characters in particular who I am talking about here. Um, but sure, I will just get into it and talk to it. Uh, I'll do a run up on it when it's over. That way, you know, people know what I'm talking about. So we start at a New Year's Eve party and we have a couple, Lindsay and Jeff, they're married. Uh, you get the vibe kind of pretty soon into the film that they are a married couple a little bit tensiony, a little bit on the rocks. They go into that a little, like, sorry, just, just go into it. But there's just one thing in this is that they either go into some little subplot way too much, or or like a theme, and then there's other things that they just completely gloss over and don't look into it. Um, but anyway, they're having issues with their marriage. It goes into it in in, in more detail. Um. They're driving home because in America, I've seen definitely a thing where they have absolutely no problem in film drink driving or TV shows or anything. I've said this before in previous episodes. It just does my nut in. I just think it's such a bad thing to even be portraying in films or TV shows. I just, especially this time of year where people are at so many parties and drinking and then they're like, I can't get a taxi. Should I drive home? I've only had three, four, five. And you forget how many you've had and you think that's going to make you a better driver. Sorry, I'm digressing, but it's something that really bothers me. Anyway, they're driving home. The husband's like, Jeff is trying to like feel Lindsay up when he's driving. And he's like, come on, where's the girl I married? I'm like, fucking two and four, man. Oh, not two and four, ten and two. That's the thing. Drive. So, of course, he's distracted trying to hit on his wife in the car and tell her, you know who you used to be? And, of course, then they hit someone. And then they try to ring. Now, they do everything right to begin with. They, they try to ring for an ambulance. And then because they're out in a countryside road, because they've bought a house like 
that needs uh, it's a fixer up with a bought a house and it's completely bloody middle of nowhere and so there's no signal so they're like right we're just gonna have to take him to the hospital ourselves and then they get him in the car and then as they're driving away the man dies no pulse no breathing or whatever so they're like oh shit what we're gonna do you know we need to take him to the hospital or ring the cops or whatever but they both realize that they've been drinking so he jeff then he's like right we're just gonna go home two hours we'll sober up and then by the time we're sober we put him back into the car and then we bring him to the hospital and act like as if the accident only happened he's like look damage is done the man is dead what can you do and it's pretty shitty, but you get where, like, they're not like, let's just straight bury the body. Um, he's like, we don't want to go to prison for this. And you, I suppose it is straight, like, self-preservation. And, of course, this wouldn't be a horror movie if there weren't some, like, questionable situations to stir things off with. So, Jeff then also realizes that the license plate of the car must have fallen off whilst they hit the man. So he's like, I'm going to have to go back and get it. You stay here. Because she's like, I'll come with you. And he's like, no, stay here. Start cleaning up, whatever. Um, And so he goes off to drive to check the situation. Of course, when he arrives on it, he just sees cop cars are there. And he's like, oh, fuck. So he then hightails it back. Yeah. So Lindsay is upstairs getting ready or changing into it. And then so we discovered that she has her sister, Hannah, has been temporarily staying with them. While she, I think she had a breakup with a boyfriend, so she's trying to figure things out. And she was at a different party. She arrives in while Lindsay's upstairs getting ready, and Jeff is still like obviously trying to find the license plate or coming back. She comes in through, yeah, she gets off a motorbike from some guy, and then she comes in and then like doesn't turn a light on. Why would you turn a light on? She comes in and decides to go straight to the garage. Don't know why. But then she's like snooping around like this has got to be this is past midnight, like years has happened. What the fuck? But anyway, she's going through the house into the garage. and The man's not dead. So he grabs her ankle and there's a scuffle and then he has a gun. And so she manages to wrestle off him and she shoots him a couple of times. Now Jeff has just pulled up to hear the gunshot going off. Lindsay is also then just hearing this from upstairs. So they all convene into the garage. And she's like, Hannah's freaking out because she's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, so they're like all, oh, now we're, we we can't take the body to the um, emergency department because they're like, well, now he's been shot. So Jess was like, right, uh, your sister's going to, they kind of like lay the blame straight away at Hannah. Like, you did this, you shot him. So Lindsay kind of explains to Hannah that they hit a guy they were gonna take him to the hospital but now obviously he wasn't quite dead and now he had a gun on him for some reason and you shot him and she also gives like hannah a sedative and puts her to bed so jeff is just like look the cops are there it's only a matter of time before they check out the license plate or find it check it out go back to our house they're like we need to clean up so then there's this like they get his id take it off his body and they also discovered that their home address was on his person so they then start fighting as to like, why do you come to the house? Is it the wife's problem because she works in a bank? Like, did she did do something to somebody? So they have a fight. Like, again, it's straight to obviously high tension moment, but they go straight to, to a fight. So they, yeah, they decide they need to do a cleanup. So there's like a cleanup montage. They've like a, basically a couple of hours, they reckon, until the cops show up at the house. So it's all, you know, they wrap the body up in tarp and they start bleaching everything. And then 
Hannah, no, Lindsay's coming in and he's like, oh, what time is it? And she's like, oh, it's near eight or whatever. And he goes, oh, can you make me a coffee? And she's like, yeah, all right, what's your last leave time? But anyway, just as she's making a coffee, then ding dong, cops at the door. So they all had come to an agreement to say that they had hit a deer. Um, and of course, they didn't say what type of deer, what weight was the deer. So she's like, it was a doe, it was a baby deer. And he's like, oh, it's about a book and, you know, whatever. So already the cops are a little bit like, <clears throat> sorry. The cops are a bit like, okay. And then she's like, oh, she wouldn't know deers at all. Ah, stupid woman. So they take a look around. There's parts where, oh, they were near where the body was. And then they walk away and, you know, she offers some coffee to all this kind of distraction stuff. Um, they seem to buy what they're saying. They're like, oh, you need to get your car fixed, you know, before you can't drive around with a wonky license plate, all that sort of stuff. Like one of them seems like really suspect of them. The other one seems to just be like, oh, you know, these things happen. Is that in the countryside? And they didn't kill the deer because the deer ran off. That would explain why there's no body. Um, just as the cops are about to leave, Hannah has come downstairs, said it obviously wore off. And then she's like, they're talking about what happened. She's like, oh, the, you know, it's the body's in the garage. And then the cops are like, wait, what? And then, um, Lynn's like, oh, no, you know, she's kind of doing that, eh, eh, you know, hand across the throat thing, like, shut the fuck up. And um, and then she's like, oh, you know, I only just woke up. Uh, I was at a rager last night and I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know if she said body, but like it's in the garage. And so they kind of like laugh it off. And then she goes back to the room or, you know, they leave. And um, then basically like Hannah's freaking out. She's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know. And they're like, OK, do you know what? And she's like. Hannah then goes on to say, this is all my fault anyway. And first you think it's because she shot him, but then she goes on to say, they were coming looking for me. It's because of my involvement. And you're like, what? So when Hannah went to go stay with Lindsay, it wasn't that she broke up with her boyfriend, but she said that her boyfriend was actually was defrauding people through stocks and that his partner killed him because she came back to their apartment or whatever and saw that there was a load of blood. And so she's like, he told me if, you know, shit goes sideways that I need to go be somewhere safe. So that's why obviously she ends up in her sister's house. Um, and then she said she took a bag and then she came over and he was like, well, what was in the bag? And she said she took a few things. One of it was like um, a, an Indian uh, or a Native American statue. And she was also wearing like a Native American charm bracelet, stuff that her boyfriend had given her. And he's kind of all into that religion but inside of the statue was a receipt for a B&B and they're all talking like well why is this in here what's going on maybe we should go see if there's something in the room why you know if he's defrauding people is there something in this hotel or B&B room that like might explain what they're coming looking for so Jeff and Hannah decide to go and leave Lindsay back in the house in case the cops come back and then there's another knock on the door and here we have a detective air quotes Smith comes over for a few more questions. And I mean, you get immediate creepy vibes from this guy. Um, this is one of the characters I was saying was just completely decided to overact it. And that man filled his belly chewing on the scenery of this film. So I like to call him, I decided to call him halfway through the film, 
untrue detective. He comes over, he wants to ask some questions, he gets a coffee, and he's all like, yeah, that is the spot. And then he's like, where's the body? He's like, no, it wasn't it. We didn't kill it. The deer just ran off. And he's like, oh, one minute you're alive, next minute you're dead. Like, I mean, and he goes into like way too much detail, this, that, and the other about his therapist and his partner says he talks too much, but it's his eyes. His eyes just scream manic. And so you obviously get the idea that whatever it is, that Hannah had in her bag or that whatever it is that's in the B&B more people know about it and that this is a fake detective because you'd never have a detective come over to the house to do follow-up questions and I think Lindsay kind of got this vibe and also the fact that the man is like really creepy and just bad vibes so untrue detective was like kind of walking up towards her, asking her some more questions. She's like, where's your partner? And because when he had asked her, where's her husband? She said, oh, he's out running errands, even though it's New Year's morning. And she's like, oh, he's just going out to get this and that. So when she asked him, where's his partner? He's like, oh, you know, just running errands, this and that. And you're like, ah, shit. So she like tries to run for a knife and then he hits her and knocks her out. And then it's kind of like when Jeff is waiting in the car outside the B&B, because Hannah's like, she's like, I'm going to finish this. This is my trouble. Whatever it is, I'll deal with it. Because they don't know what's in the room. But this like souped up looking car kind of pulls up, lingers outside. And then like when you think that maybe they're going to get out and do something, they just drive away. And then Hannah comes back into the car and shows Jeff a bag containing $50,000 yeah, 50, in cash. Now, Jeff is absolutely fucking delighted um, and he goes on to say, you know, obviously, like, he's not working. So I think the house is a fixer-upper. They were, when they, before they hit the guy, they were having a chat, like, how much longer is this going to take? And he's like, oh, eight months tops. And she's like, I can't live like this anymore. Because the house is, like, partially under construction. And, again, fixer-upper. So, obviously, Jeff lost his job somewhere along the line. He's decided, I'm going to help do up the house. Maybe that's not his area of expertise, because it seems to be taking a while. And, um... So he's delighted to get this cash. He says to Hannah, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't let Lindsay know about this. You know, she's the accident there with the guy really messed with her. She's having some stress at work. And then he also then goes on to bitch about her and be like saying that she has him on a, um, oh, my gosh, what's the word? Oh, yeah, an allowance to which you're just like, well, I mean, it's her money. And whatever but yeah so he's like woe is me she's a bitch and she left you as your sister you know she abandoned you and you know she didn't even want you to be here so he's already like trying to turn Lindsay into the bad person basically saying like that they shouldn't tell her about the cash and he was split between the two of them but back then in the house we have Hannah no not Hannah sorry Lindsay has come to and she's gagged and tied to a chair and she's in I think the basement and so untrue detective guy is like worse, you know, he's obviously knows, you know, he doesn't do the pretense of being a cop anymore. Um, so he wants to know where Hannah and Jeff are. And like this was so he's like smacking her around a bit and then talking about like, how does blood taste for him? It's sweet for others. It's coppery. And then it goes into like, he knows so much about them. And then he also starts talking about, um, you know, they've got a good chemistry together. He's, again, it's, it's like, I feel like as if he went straight to this too fast of this, I'm crazy and a psycho and I know everything about you and your husband and I know that he was, um, 
he's like a meathead who played sports and you're the smart one and how did you ever end up with him and all this sort of stuff and he's like we should be together if we you know like if you weren't marrying you're like, like it's just it's really weird so untrue detective leaves Lindsay in the basement and he decides to go looking around the house obviously he's trying to see if he can find something that's hannah's you know that might lead any more clues as to what happened with the dodgy money um, he spots this the statue that would have held the uh, B&B receipt. Um, but whilst he is awesome, he finds panties and he sniffs. And I'm like, yeah, we got it. You're a fucking creep. Lindsay manages to uh, free herself. And then she knocks out untrue detective and then ties him up. So Jeff and Hannah, uh, they come back to the house. And Lindsay's like, she's looking at the window, not moving. And Jeff's like, what's up? And he's like, I'll show you what's up. I'll show you what happened whilst you were gone. Because she's got like a cut above her eyebrow, she's got like a cut in her arm from when she was trying to get the bat and you know, like the uh, restraints off. So like when she shows your man tied up to Jeff and Hannah, Jeff just goes straight into punching up and he's like, I'm gonna like loosen him up or soften him up. And Hannah's like, No, don't hurt him. And so Lindsay's like, Right, you just go step outside. We're just going to you know, look after this. And he's like, No, I want to speak to Hannah. And they're like, No. But basically, they they just think maybe she can get some information out of him that Lindsay or Jeff couldn't. So Hannah just comes up to the guy, smacks him across the face and then kisses him. And it turns out, shocker to nobody, he is her ex-boyfriend, Richard, the one who was doing the defrauding people. Because they scam, scam, yeah. And she's like, I thought you were dead. There was so much blood. And he's like, no, baby, it wasn't my blood. And that, and she's like, but there was a guy who had come after me. And he's like, oh, that was whatever I needed to see. Was he okay? Because... Now, Richard, when he was looking around, he did see a body. So, obviously, like, we knew that they were tied in together, but we didn't know what it was for. Now, he says it was for her own protection. And when Hannah asks, like, what the fuck happened to her own sister? He's like, oh, she attacked me when I was just trying to ask some questions to where you guys were. Like, I'd never heard her on purpose. And Hannah seems to be, like, falling for this. And like that, he's making promises about what they can do with the money. If they just like, you know, they'll give some to her sister. No one will get hurt if they just let him go. And she's like, I can't let you go right now. It's going to look really suspect. Like they think that the boyfriend died. And she said, look, I need to talk to my sister and her husband and see what the crack is. And so she goes in and she's like, oh, that guy said if we just split the money with them, uh, that like it's gonna be okay nothing will happen no cops are needed so Jeff obviously doesn't want to because he's like yo bitch that's my money I need that so I can get myself some like shitty games or something like that that my wife won't let me have because I'm on loan so later Hannah tells Lindsay when they're outside like they had this talk about oh you know you left me when I was a kid to deal with mom and our old boyfriend she's like I, I don't regret leaving you can't make me feel guilty about it so again that's something that they just did not go into like was there abuse was it this was it that and like I know you only have like I know an hour and a half in a film but I really feel like as if why say it if you're then not going to do anymore maybe there was a scene that was meant to be there that got cut out but again there's no more spoken about this and Hannah tells Lindsay that Jeff didn't want Lindsay to know anything about the money at all and so she's kind of like again it's everybody it's like a real Hitchcock film or like one of those 1950s films like Agatha Christie says everyone is sowing seeds of mistrust in everyone else turning like couples against each other family against each other and I have to say you know it was kind of amazing just to see how quick people could turn against each other and I did kind of feel like you know in some situations if you're just a dick of a person and you're out like totally for yourself that is a time when, yeah, 
that could happen where you just meet. Now, I know some people might be like, that's a bit crazy that people immediately turn on each other. But no, you know, it depends on the person. It could just really happen. So Lindsay also notices Hannah's bracelet. And we don't know what she sees, but she just goes back into Richard, sees that he has a necklace and that the charm on the bracelet and the charm on his necklace are matching. And she's like, you're Richard. You're her um, boyfriend who she thought was dead. And now you're not, but you're obviously in with the scam and the defrauding people. So it's your money. And so this is another thing that I'm thinking, was there maybe a bit of abuse in the house when Hannah and Lindsay were growing up? Because Lindsay, like... Jeff is about to just beat up Richard all over again. And Lindsay's like, no, 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 no. I think that there's a better way that we can break him. Like going straight to breaking. Because she wants to know everything. Like from the start, like how does he know everything? Because of course, it makes sense as to how he knew everything about it if if he was Hannah's boyfriend. But she wants to know like more like what's with the money? What's going on? How much trouble are they all in? So to get this information, because again, the house is like a construction side kind of thing. They just have like tools around. She grabs three nails, gets Jeff to hammer them through his nails, like through his nails. She's like, and she goes on to this big hole. She feels like she does her, you know, best saw chat where she's like, oh, women have a higher pain threshold and we break nails all the time. And there's a lot of nerve endings, very sensitive, but we have a higher pain threshold, yada, yada, yada. Gets Jeff to hammer in three nails into each of his fingers. And then she's like, you've seven more, you know, 17 more in total if you want to, you know, push your luck and try your feet. So she's like, let's start talking. So she gets obviously what she needs to do after that. So after they have that conversation and then they leave Richard, uh, Jeff tries to talk Lindsay into killing Richard and then, you know, air quotes, you know, dealing with her sister. And but he she's like, are you going to kill her? And he's like, no, I'm not going to harm her. So we, you know, we can even use the money to set her up somewhere and, you know, like not hurt her. Cause Lindsay's like, no, she's family. And he's like, I'm your family. I'm like, well, you're not blood. And they've been having some trouble. So I wouldn't be pushing that Jeff, but they said that to kill Richard, they need Hannah out of the way, even temporarily. So they tie her, put a bag over her head and leave her in the room with Richard. And all through this, Hannah's like freaking out. So while Jeff goes to get the gun that the guy who they, had hit with the car and then he's like I'm going to get the gun and some pillows and that puts a bit of like what with Lindsay but uh, Hannah and Richard they try to undo their binding um so whilst this is happening while they're like you know Richard's basically like Hannah calm yourself down we need to get the fuck out of this you know you think they're going to let you live so that's when he yeah so Jeff goes to get the gun he realizes it's gone and also so is the money so like Lindsay has the gun on him and just as he arrives in to Lindsay she's just finishing a um a phone call to the cops and he's like what the fuck are you doing and she said you know she realized he was going to kill just more than Richard when he said he wanted like two pillows so then this just this is when everything just goes out the wall so um or out the window so Lindsay and Jeff they fight over like control of the gun and all this sort of stuff and at the same time newly freed Richard just decides to strangle Hannah and she doesn't put up any fight. Then Jeff goes looking for Lindsay and then I think they're into a different room, possibly the basement or whatever. Then they fight again. And as they're fighting and it looks like as if Jeff's going to like kill Lindsay, uh, Richard axes Jeff in the back. And then he goes off fighting Lindsay and trying to get her with the axe. But then like Lindsay manages to stab him in the neck with like a nail. But He's like, hmm, I'm fine. He's a fucking nail coming out of his neck. 
And he just acts like as if, you know, nothing ever happened. It doesn't kill him. So then he finds the cash was in the back pocket of Jeff. So Jeff had taken the money and, but then like Lindsay had taken the gun. So it was obvious that Jeff was just going to try and keep all of this money for himself because he's a greedy guy because the man doesn't have a job, doesn't have his own money and gets his money off of his wife. So yeah, Richard and Lindsay then struggle for the gun and then he like smacks her in a bit more and she's like trying to crawl away and he's just about to go shoot her. But as she's crawling away, Lindsay smartly, now this was all timing, whether she heard something, I don't know. So she opens up the door. Yeah, they're in the the garage. She opens up the door for it just as the cops are outside. And so Richard has the gun in his hand and she just manages to like she's right beside Jeff's body as well. So she puts her hand in his, makes it look like, oh, we're a loving couple. And this man came and killed us. And oh, he killed that other man as well. So it kind of neatly puts everything, the blame square on Richard for this. So he's like, oh, and the cops just shoot Richard straight away. And so he's dead. And again, like I said, pretty much everything is tied up nicely in a bow with the blame squarely on Richard's shoulders, now dead shoulders. And then like, Obviously, she can't stay in the house. It's a crime scene. So the cops drop Lindsay off at the B&B. Uh, she's like, oh, he's like, this is miles away from your home. He's like, yeah, I just want to get away from it all. You see, Hannah had kept the receipt from the B&B because she's like, you never know when you're going to need more, you know, evidence or whatever. I can't remember what reason why she had said she wanted to keep it. But it turns out when Lindsay hands it back to the owner of the B&B, he's like, oh, there was another girl here. She's like, oh, yeah, that's my sister. She asked me to come back and get stuff because she's not coming back. And he's like, oh, yeah, because she had said she was left the bag there, but was going to come back for the rest of it in the morning. So you're like, what? So it turns out that the 50 grand that Lindsay had taken out of the room wasn't everything. There's like this big sports bag, and I mean full to the brim of more money so you're like and each one are probably ten thousand dollar bundle so you're talking like maybe a million there or a, whatever a bit more and so Lindsay just like lies back and then she starts laughing because she realized like her life was a bit miserable like her husband was a complete and utter fucking deadbeat and her sister was just going from one shitty man to the other. like obviously she got in a relationship with a man who was scamming people out of hundreds of thousands of dollars if not into the millions so she's like Ooh, I don't have my stupid husband, don't have my sister, I'm not going to get go to prison for any of this. So that's pretty much how it ends. Like she's away, scot-free, relatively, um, doesn't seem to have a problem with the fact that what was her family between husband and, um, and her sister are all dead. So apparently this film was based off of a true story. Uh, now it doesn't say it at the start of the film, but... Um, I was looking at a review of this and some guy says that. So it might have been a situation where it could have been on like the DVD box. But the amount of this being like so loosely based on true story. So it's about a story of a woman who like hit a man with her car. And then instead of going to the cops or the hospital, she brought the guy who she'd hit back into her house and basically like let him die, like bleed out in her car in the garage. And that's it. That's the height of it. So it's the you know, the split decision time of you've done something bad, but what are you going to do? Are you going to do the right thing or are you going to do the wrong thing? And that's basically where that is, where that goes up as far as. Uh, so yeah, so again, one of those, it's always great to say is based off a true story. It's like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which 
when they're like based off of a true story I'm like no based off of a man who liked to wear people's skin that's the height of it but yeah you know yeah I just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre so I'm gonna let that one slide this film it was good it's good if you are a fan of like Hitchcock films you know where people are in they're in one place they're in the house they're turning against each other yeah it's good for that but um I have to say like again the sister character of Hannah fucking underacted to shit it was awful seeing her it was kind of painful almost and the woman playing Lindsay I haven't seen her in anything else but like I I think she did really well in it and she got like an award at this horror festival for her piece in it and rightly so because she's the best actress in it like the cops look like as if they were just found off of the street and you there acting my film but uh yeah so it's it's an average film but you know for horror set around the time now it's obviously from new year's eve and it's the main part of the action would happen on new year's day but again you know like it's a it's an idea of you're on your way back from a party and this happens like what do you do so not quite new year's eve but you know it's it's close enough yeah not a bad film (laughs) my second film was a little known Apparently, cult classic. I I don't know if it's I'd call this cult classic. It's a B movie of of proper B movie ness. It's called Ghostkeeper. It was made in 1980. The guy who directed it, I don't have his name, but he also wrote it, and he made the production company Badland Productions just so that this could be done. Um, I think obviously he was seeing how well John Carpenter had done with Halloween, so he was like, he had worked in TV in Canada, so this it's filmed in Canada. And um, he obviously thought, oh, well, you know, I can get a lot of money back off of a low budget horror movie. And this is the best way to do it. And you don't have to have known actors and actresses. In fact, one of the characters in it, the lady who was playing the character, that was the only thing she was in. She actually didn't go back to acting. And for everybody else, it was either their first time on a film or their first acting gig completely. So the opening of the film is a text about... um, a Native American ghost uh, called the Wendigo or Wendigo or yeah I'm gonna say Wendigo actually and that eats human flesh so you obviously get the vibe that one way or another it's either a folklore or horror movie or that this is they're going to be chased by this Wendigo Um, now it doesn't say if it's human or it doesn't say if it's like a beast or whatever but it just says that it eats human flesh so after that text, we then have a couple arriving uh, outside of a general store. It's a mountainous area. It's kind of like you can't help but get shining vibes off of the film. And I did like throughout the film. Um, and it's, yeah, like I read somewhere on it that there weren't that, for the shining being so big, there weren't that many other based in an abandoned hotel horror movies in the 80s or at least just just not that many of them but this is one of them and I it, it is done well enough um, and it decides to just true budgeting issues and that it, it goes completely on a different ending than what the director wanted in fact he wasn't happy with how the film ended but he still it was over time he came to appreciate it more because it set it aside from just your one of the male monster movies. Uh, so I'll get into it. So there are a couple on their snowmobiles. <clears throat> Sorry. I still have like this really dry cough. Cannot shift it. And uh, so yeah, if you hear like pauses or whatever, it's just like me trying to drink water and things. But I'm trying to get used to just talking by myself. I usually have grace. It's 
to like bounce ideas off of or take over. So yeah, this was just a joy. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, no, I can do this. Fine, fine. Yeah. So we have the couple are on the snowmobile. They go up to general store where they like want to warm up. Now I watched this film on YouTube and there was a few things that were like the sound quality wasn't so great. At the, especially at the start so I missed kind of a lot of what they were saying also for the love of god YouTube ads can just go and fuck because there was a stage where it was like every I shit you not two to three minutes it was just doing another ad and it just really interrupt it was just interrupting like my flow of taking notes and watching the film in general so remember though guys there used to be a time when you could watch YouTube without fucking ads all the time anyway that was a glorious time but anyway so this couple they're going through the general store, they're looking around like that. It has literally a bit of everything because it's up in the mountains. So you need to have like the food, they have gas, they have um clothes, everything. And they're kind of like, it's not really the girl, so it's a couple. Oh, it's Marty and Jenny. And Marty's just dick. He is a dick from get-go. And you're like, okay, that's your character. You're an asshole. This is you. And you're not gonna survive through the whole film. Just because dick characters rarely ever make it all the way. Nah. <laughs> Oops. But yeah, so they're like, he's just taking the piss out of the guy who runs the shop. Like everything he's doing and saying, but the guy can kind of like, he's got a, a dry wit and he's not like, I'm not just some yokel. I can give give and take. Um, and then we have as they're chatting away to the owner of the general store, another woman joins in, and it turns out like they're all mates. And so Chrissy arrives and she was there they're at a different lodge like a hotel lodge with other friends and they're spending new year's eve there but they're the rest of them like these three people got bored decided to go exploring and then wanted to see where the routes are that they could take the snow snowmobiles and so the manager is like look watch this you know watch the area uh kind of warning them about like don't go off the tracks these mountains can kill and one of them's like hey can mountains kill and they're so pretty and we're like oh my god it's called like starvation or losing track of where you are and hypothermia because it's constantly snowing and it's like proper proper uh depth of snow when they're out walking around and it was like up to their hip but yeah so he's like watch where you're going stay on the track stay on the normal route and they're like yeah we got this gramps like they do that it's like it's marnie i swear to god marnie so they're on their way and then just like in proper horror movie treatment they ignore a sign saying keep out like fucking proper adults and they're like, let's go this way. It's And she's Jenny, but Jenny keeps warning, like, it's private property. We shouldn't be here. We're going onto someone's house or their land. Marty's like, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll go there and see what's there and whatever. So they just decide to trek on in on their snowmobiles and explore further. And then Chrissy then falls off her snowmobile. And the way it kind of tips onto the side, they write it up, but it won't start again. And this is just outside of another lodge called the Deer Lodge. And it looks fairly abandoned, no lights on, no whatever, but they're like, oh, we may as well stay out of the snow and come here for a bit whilst, you know, until maybe the snow eases up for a bit and then they can see if they can fix Chrissy's uh, sled, basically, because they're like, without that, you know, all three of them won't fit on the one. So they go inside and they start exploring inside the lodge. Uh, Marty sees that uh, the logbook of the hotel says that nobody has stayed there for like the last five years, but yet it's warm in certain rooms. So they, they deduce that somebody must be staying there. 
so they they're like well look we're gonna wait out the snow here and then they all start going around exploring and this is where i was kind of like starting to get more shining vibes from the film and like but not in a hammy way but i suppose when they're like there's a lot of north uh like native american um furniture and, and soft furnishings in the shining and then i suppose with like this film when it opens up about a bit of text from native american like north american native american ghost stories so you're kind of like maybe you know just little ties in um but it could have just obviously been the area where you know and also this is good folklore that you can use in a horror movie um so the snow doesn't let up and the three decides like they're gonna end up having to stay there for the night and as they're kind of like again doing more exploring uh jenny is she's looking through i think she comes across like a linen closet or you know kind of general cleaning closet she sees that uh oh no this is a different room she goes into one of the rooms like the door is open and she sees a window's open so she closes the window and she can hear like we can all hear her name being called out somewhere and then just like kind of in the ring where you just see someone looking at her, but it's like you only get to see one eye and there's hair over her face. And you're like, and she's like, oh, I was getting the vibe that somebody was here and someone was looking at me. But she kind of bursts off and then they're all sitting in front of they've made a fire. Uh, it's nighttime and they're all like drinking wine. And then, yeah, Jenny rightfully starts to ask if anyone down in the other lodge will have noticed that they're gone. And Chrissy's like, oh, no, they're probably too drunk at the New Year's party to notice that they're even gone and that's kind of like that's a good bit into the film you're talking that's maybe 30 minutes into the film or or a good 25 and that's the first time you even get a mention that it is new year's eve there is that later on in the film when marty talks to himself and he says oh happy new year's they're the only two mentions i was beginning to think i was watching the wrong film because there was no mention of new year's at all anyway that's when Jenny also mentions to Marty and Chrissy that she thinks that someone was up in one of the rooms when she was looking through. And again, like they brush it off. And then Chrissy decides that, I know, I suppose, no entertainment. They have to entertain themselves. But like that they should all tell each other secrets. Now, she has been also like, she's like one of those flirty characters. And she's been like flirting up a storm with Marty, like much to basically pissing off Jenny. But uh, so she starts to say this really, really weird story. She starts to say when she was a teenager that she went through a phase where she wanted to be, her words, a hooker. And um, she's like, okay, whatever. She decides that there's this substitute teacher that she fancied and she's like flirting with him. And then she's walking home after school and then she pulls, or it's raining and he pulls up alongside in his car and she gets in and then she starts like, flirting with him and then first he pushes her off and then they end up like having sex but not before she says I want you to pay for it and so they then like they have sex with her and she's like oh but uh, you know he wasn't my first and it's like it's so it's unnecessary detail and you can see like Jenny is a little bit uncomfortable with the whole story but Marty is like lapping it up he loves it and then it's all over nobody else I have to say does their secret story time telling you know whatever so he goes off in search of more wine and it's at that stage then when he's looking around that he gets like rugby tackled by an older woman and then they scuffle for a bit and they hear uh, Christy and Jenny hear the commotion so they run in and they see that it's the woman and it's the woman that was because she's a very unkempt looking woman 
So it's the same woman that was looking at Jenny and she's like telling them that they can't stay there. And again, like Chrissy and Marty are like giving her a load of attitude about how, you know, you can't kick us out. I'm like, no, it's, you know, we, we deserve to be here too. Like, no, you don't. You came in. Like, I know they did all go around. They were saying, hello, you know, is there anyone there? But then like, they just decided to go start a fire and start drinking all the wine. Like they weren't trying too hard to let them, let people know that they're there. But also, you know, the woman who ran it, would have at some stage like come down and seen that there are people there or you hear if you're like the only one up there and you hear like footsteps and talking like you'd come down they were there for hours so anyway we'll just go ahead the movie goes so uh jenny then kind of calmly states to the woman that they can't they can't go outside they have to stay there there's a storm outside it's like snow everywhere they'll die if they go out there so she kind of like stands up to the woman a bit and, and she seems to like that and she's like, oh, yeah, okay, you're a tough one. You can stay, you know, you can all stay. She says that she has been living in the hotel her whole life. And then once again, kind of Marty's being a dick and he goes on and, you know, the way he's talking to her. And and she then says, oh, I hate city people and cities. And I prefer to be in the mountains uh, to get away from people like that. Um, and... Jenny tries to like she's she's being nice to her she's asking her questions and uh you know is is she there with anyone and then the woman says that she has a son around her here with her but she doesn't know where he is Uh, and then of course that perks up Chrissy and she's like oh maybe this won't be a boring you know New Year's after all and then like the woman goes on to say that the hotel had closed due to like a lack of business um and uh yeah so then she starts to show everybody where their rooms are and um again like Marty's chatting up a storm with Chrissy outside of Chrissy's room and Jenny's pissed off so when they get into a room alone Jenny asks Marty like does he want to sleep with Chrissy and he says oh it's not like you owe me and then goes on about how like he gets to live his life on his own terms and she can do whatever she wants to do but just to know that he gives her food and he pays her bills so he's like he's been really manipulative and we also get the vibe that this isn't the first time that Marty's cheated on her and then he goes off on one like mocking Jenny saying uh stating that she's probably you know terrified of you know she she keeps everything she tries to be so calm because she's probably afraid of going crazy just like her mother and whilst they're having this argument the woman uh from the hotel is eavesdropping outside and then we have like Chrissy going to go take a bath so it's obviously just a scene where she has to go get naked but they don't show anything in this film thank god it's obviously they want to keep a certain rating on it or the Chrissy character lady didn't want to do it. As I said, she's actually the one who didn't act in anything else. So maybe she was like, no, you get me from the neck up. So as she's in the bath, you kind of also think Marnie's going to go looking for her. So maybe she thinks Marnie's going to come in, but it's another man. And I kind of just like got the vibe. It was the son of the woman who ran the hotel. And so he attacks her and then he like just pulls the body out and like takes her out of the room and then Jenny goes to go into the bathroom as well notices that Chrissy's gone but like all her clothes are there but but she's gone and then she meets the woman from the hotel in the corridor and again the woman just starts to go on to say you know like I like you you know you're tough and you have to be tough for this job and I'm getting too old for it so she's kind of being like really vague but at the same time it's like why are you talking to Jenny like this like do you want her to start looking after the hotel? Is that it? Is that what you're getting at? And then as they're talking, they're interrupted by shithead Marty, who 
you know, is on the hunt for Chrissy and he's knocking outside of her door. There's no answer. And so then he just goes back to Jenny and like Jenny's sleeping under the covers. He's sleeping on top of them. But yeah. So in the middle of the night, Jenny hears voices and she decides to go out into the corridor and, and look. And then it's uh, the hotel woman is bringing in. Oh, no, sorry. I've skipped ahead of it. Um, so, yeah, whilst they're in bed, the son of the woman from the hotel brings Chrissy into a room where it's like an ice block room. And uh, I read that that was real ice because it was that fucking cold in the hotel that uh, or wherever it was that they staged it, that it wasn't didn't even need to be fake. It was a real ice room. But anyway, and uh, there's a deformed man and he cuts Chrissy's throat and then he leaves her body there for him to eat I'd imagine so we get the vibe that you know eating human flesh that this deformed person is the Wendigo and I don't know whether or not that it was meant to be like uh, to me it just looks like a deformed man or whether or not it was actually meant to be a monster and they just had such a low budget to do props or special effects on his face so I did read as well that like the director because of their issues with financing and um with the budget that like he wanted to do more with the character of the Wendigo um as like the big scene for the climax at the end of the film or near the end of the film but because again weather issues and budget issues and the fact that the guy the Wendigo character looks pretty shit they were like no do you know what? we're gonna scrap it and do something else so it and and like that as I said it stopped it from just being a monster film uh, and then it goes into more psychological as I will explain now. So, oh yeah. So it goes back into the room where Jenny is talking to Marty kind of while they're in bed and she apologized. She goes straight into an apology of like why she went off and when she blames it all on herself saying that, you know, she didn't mean to convey to him. She's just afraid of going crazy like her mother. And like, this is, this scene is just, it got me so mad. Like a total bull. Like Marty is a manipulative pig and yet it's Jenny who's apologizing. You know, I was just at that stage, I was like, oh, I really can't wait for Marty to get killed. Uh, and sorry, it's at this point that when they're asleep that Jenny wakes up to someone calling her name and as she goes to investigate, she hears the woman from the hotel speaking to someone else and I kind of got the vibe she was maybe speaking to her son and she said, um, she all Jenny can hear her say is, oh, he needed us and I'm not mad at you. Again, very cryptic, but what we probably take it as, you know, he needed the new body, so he needed to have Chrissy's flesh to eat or whatever. Uh, Jenny then just goes back to bed and then we have the next morning Marty is trying to start his own sled and it's like he's having no success with it then he sees that someone has tampered with a part of the engine so he then confronts the woman from the hotel and is asking her like where's Chrissy what happened to his sled because Chrissy's snowmobile is gone too and so the woman from the hotel is like oh Chrissy left already and, and she doesn't know what happened to his machine she doesn't work with machines that's not her thing so Marty's like, all right, I'm going to go out to see if I can. I saw a shed out there. I'm going to see if I can try and find some equipment uh, or like parts so I can fix it. And so the hotel uh, lady um, makes Jenny a cup of tea and she's starting to chat with her. And then she asks her like, Jenny's asking her more questions about the place. And then she kind of like turns and Jenny's saying, you know, I don't think you own this place. I just think you live here and you've like made it yours and that somebody else had previously owned it. And then like Jenny tries to stop, like the woman is getting up to leave. Jenny tries to stop her and she's like, the woman says to Jenny going, you know, save your strength. Again, totally cryptic. 
totally vague. So Jenny takes her cup of tea and she goes to go sit outside in the foyer of the hotel. And it's at this stage that Jenny basically passes out. Her tea was drugged. And then we just see uh, in the kind of corner of the camera, it's the woman from the hotel and her son are just like walking towards her. So I liked that. You know, it was just like a silent, threatening presence. So Jenny comes to in a different room and like as if maybe it was someone's room uh, where they were staying because she's on a, like a sh- little crappy mattress. But she comes across a book on legends from Canada and just so happens to open a book about a flesh eating demon who is looked after by women with special powers. So obviously this is what the woman from the hotel was talking about. Like it's not the hotel they want her to look after. It's the creature in the ice room. It's the Wendigo. And basically Jenny's like, nope, fuck this. And she legs it out of the room and comes across a, a room, the ice room, locked from the outside. When she unlocks it, she sees the deformed man is there and she screams, but then she's chased out of that room by the son of the hotel woman who happens to have a chainsaw. So he's chasing her through the hotel and they kind of like, it looks like they go up to the attic, but there's still rooms there. Like this hotel has just got room after room. So kind of like felt like the scene where you know, Shelley Duvall's character at the end of The Shining is just running everywhere. You know, nay, she was running by herself, but like that running from room to room. Uh, that's kind of, again, maybe it was just because I like The Shining so much and I've seen it so much. I was seeing Shining in this, but you know. So she has a struggle with the sun at the top, just outside of the roof from the attic and she pushes him and he gets impaled on a railing at the front and so like marty's been outside trying to fix between the shed and like that trying to look at the sled and uh jenny like runs up to him and is like we need to leave i just killed a man and they've killed chrissy or like you know that's why chrissy's gone and then he's like i think i get the vibe as they're talking that he was a lawyer or he's like just an you know studying to become a lawyer or whatever but he's like she'll never get away with it and then he it's we then get to the shed and oh yeah on their way to the shed the woman from the hotel like blows up the snowmobile and she tells Jenny it's time um and soon she'll understand and then like they end up they run into the shed and Marty is then like put I don't know like motor oil or whatever like kind of lines across his face and he basically seems to have lost control of his mind and sanity and he starts muttering a load of crap about like oh if only his dad could see him now and I had to say like it was just it was kind of hard to follow what was going on like what he was talking about and then he's like I think Chrissy's back at the lodge and I'm gonna go back to her so like he just ups and leaves and walks away but he starts walking in a completely different direction and all I could just think of was like, well, he's he's going to die from hypothermia. He's going to just get lost. So then we have, just like in The Shining, the rescue mission, where the owner of the general store is on his way up. He sees this. He's at the part where it's just the path forks off into the private property. And I'm sure he like realizes, gone, I bet you anything they've gone up to the Deer Lodge. And so you kind of get the vibe that maybe somebody from the lodge where all the friends were like, came up to the general store and were like did you see our friends we haven't seen them in like a day uh so he goes up to try and see if he can help out and as soon as he gets into the hotel now he has his own shotgun with them as soon as he gets up into the hotel just like in the shining we have the woman from the hotel just stabs him in the chest oh yeah just before like marty kind of went off on his own wanderings jenny was like i know how we can get out of here i found a shotgun I know where a shotgun is. We can get out of here. So she's like, he walks out, does his own like little pathway thing. Because again, he has lost his mind. Jenny 
runs back into the hotel. And so she gets the shotgun and she loads it up. And then she comes across the woman from the hotel and she's like, oh, you, you know, that gun doesn't work and you would never, you'd never harm me. I'm your mother. And Jenny's like, what? No, my mom died. And you kind of see like they're, they're kind of giving off the vibe that Jenny too now, that this is all like taking its toll on her sanity and that she's like losing the plot as well. And then she's like, oh, or oh yeah, also the hotel woman's like, you wouldn't shoot me because that's something a crazy person would do. And you don't want to be crazy. So obviously she's crying back what she had overheard last night with Marnie and Jenny talking. And yeah, so she, then she goes on and says, I'm, I'm your mother and, and you come to me and I'll look after you now. And so like your one's got a knife behind her back. So just as she's about to lunge for Jenny with the kitchen knife, the shotgun actually works. And Jenny like kills her with a blast of the shotgun. But then instead of leaving, Jenny goes back to the room, the icebox room with the deformed man and tells him that it's okay. And he's okay now, you know, he's all right. And she'll look after him. And you're like, oh, that's it. She's lost it. She's fully accepted the role of becoming the next hotel woman. And she's going to stay there. And uh, she then goes out uh, on the search for Marty and we see him like down near a creek and he's like taken off his is like warmer top and he's just in his thermals. And I imagine he's dead or dying from hypothermia. And it's kind of like the oh, I cannot remember the name of it, but it's like the Russian and um, it was in like the oh gosh was it in the 1920s or the 40s but it was like all these russian proper trained uh they were students but they were all hikers and then they all end up dying and it was they thought that they just all lost their minds and went off wandering around and that like they were found in in different stages of like taking off their clothes so it's something to say that when you like lose your mind that one of the things is you think you're too warm when actually is something to do with um hypothermia when you're losing yeah when you're actually like losing your heat your body warms up so you want to take off all your clothes so maybe that's what happened that was kind of again the vibe that I was getting with that uh so anyway she comes up to him and she's like you should have been I think she even talks about herself in the third person and she's like you should have been nicer to Jenny uh and then you know this wouldn't have happened to you and then she just leaves him and oh yeah she said she'll come back for him but yeah and so then it's night time again so this is the night of New Year's Day and Jenny is walking through the hotel lodge like as if she too now is the new owner she sits down by a fire with a cup of tea and you know she's like yeah need it um, and then she hears the voice of the previous hotel woman in her head telling her that it'll be okay and it's like it's always was. So that's that's just the end of the film. So we kind of don't know if Jenny had always heard that hotel woman's voice in her head or if she did have these special powers like what she read in the book that needed to be the caretaker of the Wendigo that you need to have a woman with special powers. But yeah, so it kind of, that that's it. Like it's kind of cryptic ending. And again, it ended that way because like that the, the director wanted to have like a big chase scene with the Wendigo, but maybe it was just because the special effects makeup was just so shit that uh, they just did it in the, in the way where it's more psychological of like Jenny losing her mind, Marnie loses his mind. And it's between more the hotel owner or the, the lady from the hotel and Jenny, like where that's your, your struggle at the end. 
And it kind of helped it being, like I said at the start, this film is deemed as like a cult classic with some people. No, I will never watch this film again. I, whatever. Like like I said, it's on YouTube, people, if you want to go watch it. Uh, although just be prepared for lots of YouTube ads. I like that, yeah, the director originally wasn't happy with it at all. But yet as kind of people picked up on it throughout the years, I like it didn't reach VHS until 1986. It actually, like it made its money back, but it wasn't all that successful. But then like that, possibly with the release on VHS, it became like, you know, word of mouth. People started to like it, like it's still watched to this day. Um, and like that though, like what makes this film just so interesting was they basically had to do the ending of the film on the fly. Like none of that. I don't know how much, but was it meant to happen? I'd imagine just the whole latter third wasn't meant to be the way it was it was also filmed i'd say in like two weeks the deer lodge is an actual it's still a hotel to this day and it was the owner was happy for the film for to be shot there and there it was out of season anyway so it was empty and they didn't have anyone to help you know set the the scene or or like design the set or whatever so it stayed as it was like that's exactly how the hotel looked at the time and so yeah they even have a movie poster in the deer lodge hotel so and it's got the the hotel is in it so you can you know it's it's claim to fame so fair play and like that i think the weather they had to film more stuff inside than outside because of the weather she's like because there were like proper snowstorms and stuff like that was happening so again like for as quickly as it was made you know it's it was a bit boring a lot of like them just having to look around, but because that's half of the outdoor shots they wanted to do, they couldn't do because of the weather wise. But also I just decided to quickly look up uh, for this, what a Wendigo is. Cause I've heard of like being from Europe, we've enough of our own monsters and mythical beings that I, I like, I think I used to mix up a Wendigo with like a Chupacabra. And I wonder again, eating human flesh, what, a, you know, are they just the North of, north american kind of native american into canada almost area versus like chupacabra would be from south america so just again are these their own versions of it but uh so wendigo is a mythological creature or evil spirit originating from folklore of plains and great lakes natives as well as some first nations it's based in and around the east coast forests of canada the great plains regions of the united states and the great lakes regions of the united states and canada grouped in modern ethnology as speakers of, oh my good gosh, apologies, Algonquian family languages. The Wendigo is often said to be a malevolent spirit, sometimes depicted as a creature with human-like characteristics, which possesses human beings. The Wendigo is said to invoke feelings of insatiable greed or hunger, desire to cannibalize other humans, and the propensity to commit murder in those that fall under its influence. So, I guess like that's what they were getting at that it's a humanoid or human-esque thing so it's or it could have been like they do say also here that in modern psychiatry the wendigo lends its name to a form of psychosis known as wendigo psychosis which is characterized by symptoms such as an intense craving for human flesh and an intense fear of becoming a cannibal wendigo psychosis is described as a culture-bound syndrome in some first nations communities other symptoms such as insatiable greed and destruction of the environment are also thought to be symptoms of wendigo psychosis so again it's you could maybe ask that was it a man was the wendigo that was in the basement or in the icebox room or was it someone who 
basically lost their mind and had a craving for human flesh. But yet these people were watching them. But I suppose, I think they, in this film, oh well, they didn't put that much thought into it. I really feel like as if this is just meant to be a Wendigo creature, a humanoid, uh, whatever, subtype creature that is eating off of human flesh. And it's up to the women in the area or if they can get women who they deem like are good enough to pass the mantle onto to that have the powers that are strong enough women like how the woman in the hotel saw in Jenny so yeah uh, Jenny's left to the hotel by herself with just the voices in her head to keep her company and the odd person passing by that she can then feed to the Wendigo so that was, that's Jenny's life would I recommend any of the two films to watch like if I had to I'd suggest Midnighters um, over Ghostkeeper Ghostkeeper is it wasn't even like a fun schlock for a B-movie from the 80s. I just found it boring at times. Just, yeah, no real character that I wanted to root for. Jenny was all right, but you were also, oh, like, I totally got the vibe that she was the nicer woman who you're like, oh, well, she's going to survive and the other two are going to die. And it was straight up how it happened. Um, So, yeah, um, feel free to look up to see if there are any other years horror movies. But I think that's kind of it. There was, there was a few... But uh, so that's it for the year 2022 for Because You're Home. Um, it's been a strange year in the way that it's ended. And like I said, we're going to look into 2023. Going to keep on doing this podcast just myself. And then we'll see, like Grace will come back at some stage. Fear you not, people. And uh, like that, we'll be looking into new ways of, not new ways of doing episodes, but we'll be continuing this on in just a different way because I'm still trying to figure out how to host a podcast by myself. So thank you for sticking with us for 2022. Really appreciate that. And we will... Well, you guys, you won't be seeing anyway because this is an audio format. Yeah, you'll be hearing from me again in 2023 and have a great new year, guys. I hope uh, you don't get eaten by a Wendigo or that you don't end up killing somebody in a car. Don't drink and drive. Yeah, there's a good way I can end this. Don't drink and drive. So you can follow us on Inst- yeah, Instagram and Facebook. There's no way Grace is saying. Um, because you're home with an underscore between every word. And we, you can listen to us on most podcast platforms. And if you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, we'd really like if you could rate a review. It just helps us get seen by more people. So uh, have a great New Year's, guys. And see ya.